0: Bible's with me to John chapter 7. I'm so excited to be with you this week. I hope that you make time to come out to all three of the days we've given you, I believe, almost 100 days of advance notice. So I think at this point, it's either important to you or it's not. And so as your pastor, I will definitely take it personal if you don't come. I just want to let you know that. I definitely don't don't even question, like, will pastor take it personal? Absolutely, I'll take it personal. Because this, to me, is how I lead you as a shepherd. And if you don't acknowledge my leadership by coming out to outreaches, then you and I don't have a good relationship. So oftentimes people ask me, they say, um... Pastor, how can I get closer to you? How can I hang out with you? And they hear about my hobbies on Sunday. You know, they hear about, uh, you know, I do wakeboarding. And there used to be a time I was riding my bike, and Tony thought he would come with me one day. And uh, he realized that 30 miles is a lot longer than you think it is. And uh, there's some hills. And I'll let him tell the story of how that turned out. But I felt bad after that because I think maybe in his mind, he thought I rode my bike like people do for ice cream at the lakefront, you know. And so... uh, when it comes to my hobbies and things like that, I say, well, meet me out there. Talk to Lauren. She'll give you my schedule because I don't want to try to build a friendship with you in a way that disappoints you. Uh, you might say, well, Joe, you know, I can't ride my bike uh, this time, but I'll ride it this time. Th- and I can't do that. It's just we're adults. Somebody say grow up. Amen. So if we're going to hang out, just just go through my administrator and she'll say, Joe Wakeboards Tuesdays and this days and meet him out there, just like anybody else. Just come out there and hang out with me. And one of the reasons why I love to wakeboard and go out there is nobody thinks of me as a pastor. I'm that old dude who tries wakeboarding tricks all the time, okay? So people ask me that. Other people say, well, Joe, can I do things for your family? Can I come over, uh, maybe take care of your kids? And and trust me, we are tempted to do that often. Um, But we do just have a handful of people that we trust with our children because we have six of them. And trust me, I'm still trying to keep them alive. And I am very, very cautious of who I'm going to trust six with. Okay. So don't take that personal. But here is how, if you care about me as your pastor, where you could say, I want to feel my pastor's heart. I want to get close to my pastor. Come preach with me. Come preach with me. And, and we may not be in the same group, but we'll be out together. You'll see me out there winning a soul, getting into an argument, or just helping somebody to know and love Jesus more. That's how personally you and I can get along. So when when we tell you this as a church and we make this not about me, I was just sharing that about me because sometimes people say, well, how can we do things with you? Here's how you do things with me. But bigger than that, how do you as a church respond to me as your pastor? You do what we do. It's that simple. Now, everybody can't do all that we do. It, it, there's a lot. If you try to go to every life group, you would have to shapeshift, be in two places at the same time, and do something with Star Trek, okay? So what we simply say is pick a life group. Pick one. You don't have to go to all of them. Pick one. Come to church on Sunday, get discipled, and then do an outreach when you can. And by God's grace, I think we have nine going on this week. And four of them are going to be uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Three of them are going to be Lollapalooza. Now, as a church, you get to decide how we do those things. You know how we do that as a church? Through our elders and our deacons. And so then we decide, okay... We can only ask the outreaches, uh, the, the people to come to outreaches only so many times a year. I mean, if we said everything, Taste of Chicago, the Jazz Fest, this over here, this over here, Boricua Fest, whatever, it, it would be too much. We get it. You have, you know, first of all, w- when does our summer start? When does it end? It's always unpredictable. And I get it. Families are trying to plan vacations. I remember one time in the middle of June wearing a hoodie in Chicago, and I'm like, what's going on here, you know? If I showed up at the, the last... Or something. So I get it, Saturdays and weekends are precious to you, especially during the warmer months. And so the elders or deacons as a church, they really try to make sure they avoid the big holidays. They try to avoid the times maybe that you know you're going to be looking to do things in the city. And so we we find those events that I think will work with your schedule. The elders and deacons, Somebody say elders and deacons. And then they put this stamp on it and then they say, Metro praise, Hoomph, Whom? what is your occupation? You know, that, that's when we go, let's go. How many times, think about it, saints, how many times have we asked you this year to collectively go with us on the streets? Only twice, Boricua Fest and Lala. And then what did Boricua Fest do to us? They switched it to us, and we had to go last minute. And I want to say thank you as your pastor. I was personally proud of us when we showed up, even though it was a week off. Thank you. Thank you. Now, don't do it for me, but I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't proud of you or disappointed personally at different things we do at the church, and in ministry. Does anybody here lead people on their job, and sometimes you got to take things personal with them? It it is all business. I get that, but sometimes you got to say, you're making me look bad. Has anybody ever said that to somebody? You're making me look bad here because I got to go to a boss now and give an explanation for what we just did here, and so I got to go to God and give an explanation to what we did here, and so You'll never hear me ask you to do anything for an anniversary. You don't have to hang out with me on the weekends. We, we don't need childcare, uh, you know, all of these things. And the church, trust me, we could keep you busy seven days a week, 24 hours. That is not our intention. What we're asking for is for a heart for this city. Let's go out together. Let's make a difference this week. Show up Thursday. Show up Friday. Show up Saturday. And if you're new here and you didn't get time to get off, we understand that because we want you to honor your job. But if you've been here for over a few months and you've heard it for 100 days and you haven't done it, shame on you. You need to hear that every now and then. Shame on you is still a good phrase. I know sometimes we're like, well, I don't want to feel shame, and who are you to do that? No, it's good. A cultural shame is good. How many know if I started walking naked down the street today, it would be good for a culture to shame me? Uh, you know, check on me first, see if I'm mentally ill. Uh, But if I'm not mentally ill, how many know it would be good for a culture to go, shame on you. You don't walk naked in front of my children. Shame on you. And the same thing is with us as a church. If you had over 90, close to 100 days to talk to your job, to care about, and you didn't care about, shame on you for being a part of a church that reaches a city that you wouldn't even take the time to see if you could come. We have to care more than that. And so when a church does what we do, we do it not out of shame. I'm not trying to shame you into it. I'm just telling you, shame on you. But I'm trying to motivate you for the love of God. Have you ever heard that phrase, for the love of God? Have you ever heard somebody do that before? Well, that's what I'm saying to Metro Praise. For the love of God, would you come out and preach with us, please? For the love of God, would you think about your schedule and put God not not below laundry above laundry would you guys think about that okay not below overtime on the job because you gotta you, you gotta keep doing it overtime no no you would put god above that you would put god above different things that distract you and you would say god comes first and if we don't do it in our schedule how do we do it in our lives that's why I have to say I take it personal as a pastor because I personally care for you. How many more know this is more than just a job for me? Because if it's just a job, then I shouldn't have any personal feelings, right? I just don't care. Whether you come or you go, whether you grow or you stay the same, then, I, then I'm not a pastor. Now, if I took everything personal, oh, walk on eggshells, Joe's so sensitive. How many are glad you don't have an effeminate pastor here today? I'm not sensitive. I'm not sensitive. Be careful with him. You're going to hurt his feelings. It's so funny. I've been in meetings before where people are fully yelling and people are like, you're in front of the pastor. You're in front of the pastor. I'm like, it's okay. I can take it. (laughs) I'm used to this. Seriously. I'm used to this. This is not a big deal. You yelling and acting wild doesn't threaten me or make me feel uncomfortable. I grew up in an Italian family. Are you listening? Okay, so you, you, you're, you, you, you don't have to worry about me being super sensitive and personal and, and nosy and meddling in your business. God have mercy. Please stop me if I ever do that. Uh, please, please, please don't ever let me become that kind of an insecure pastor. But may I lead you to battle? May I? May I, may I this Thursday... Join with you on the streets while we welcome in visitors from all around the world. May I hand you a microphone and say, you're next. Let's go. Come on, somebody. May may I be with you on the front lines when the reproach of the gospel comes and our backs are made strong and shoulders broad. May we stand side by side together suffering reproach to a culture that hates our God, should it come to that, though I don't look for that. I don't want to be a martyr, but if I have to be, Jesus, make me ready. And so that's my heart for you. I'll share it with the second service. And after this, please, because I've done this. It's not my first rodeo. After this, please, no personal discussions. Pastor, Pastor, uh, Pastor, I just got to let you know. No, no, no. Anything you need to let us know, let let the administrator know. Just, hey, guys, I did my best. My job did not allow me to get off. I'm in a weird position with them. I try. It just doesn't work that way. I'm coming when I can. If there's anything in your conscience you want to relieve, even though my name is not Tom and I'm not your father, not Father Tom up here, okay? Okay if you want to relieve your conscience, you don't need to. But I'm saying if you do, because you know between you and God what you did, right? But if you need to, do it with the administrator, because I don't, I don't want those conversations. It's weird for me. Like, pastor, I really wanted to come, but I couldn't come. Like, that's just weird. I, that's not what I do. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like it's like almost the private, like coming to the lieutenant or something. I'm not trying to say you're just privates, but you get my point. Like, like man, I really wanted to fight their own the battle. Like, dude, there's nothing we're going to accomplish right now. I'm going out to the battle. You're not there. I need to know who's with me. That's all I care about right now. Does everybody get that? Now, if you need us to preach the gospel to you because the, the Bible says he left the 99 to go preach to the one, then we'll do that today, get you saved, and then have you come to the outreach, amen? It's important to us here. Praise God. Turn with me to John chapter 7. Thank you for hearing my heart. I can only be real with you. I'll never be fake. Are, are you happy about that at least? Hey, he'll tell us what he thinks. I remember one time uh, someone came to our service and they said, well, at least I know what he thinks. Seriously, like cause a lot of times you don't know what the pastor's saying, you know, like he's 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 walking the line, you don't know where they're standing on an issue. Well, at least you know. And I I ask for you to be that honest with people in your life, in your marriages, in your family, and to the extent that you can be that on your job. I I I remember with Jerry, she put up a, a quote. She said, do not take directness and honesty as offense. Someone being open and direct with you is not being offensive. Me telling you I take things personal as a pastor is, is not to manipulate you to say that I, sh- I believe that shame comes to a church or to Christians who do not prioritize outreach, especially if they call this their church. That is not to manipulate you. That's to be honest with you But how I take it. Like, if my church, I'm going to preach this again, okay, Polish, this is where, I, by the way, I'm half Polish, and so I repeat things a lot, okay? This is the Polish side coming out, and I'm Italian, so I do it loudly. My repetitions come loudly, little, little hand gestures too, by the way. If you are a part of a church and you're not in flow with that church, it's good for you to know where you step out of bounds and people look at you as the odd duckling, If you go to a church that doesn't care about odd ducklings, then you're not really about a a church that's about one mind, one spirit, and all of the unity that we're supposed to have. So, for example, if my children, if I'm asking them to get on board with what we're doing, we're doing yard work today, guys. We're doing yard work. I want everybody on board. How many know those who are getting the ice cream are those who came in unity and found joy in the process, right? And so if I tell my children, you hurt me by not taking this, serious. I'm not trying to manipulate them. Now, granted, there are some parents, oh, I'm going to die. You know, like my mom, well, what if I died today? That's how my mom would be. And we, we ended life like this. I'm like, mom, you're not going to die. It's okay. You know, we're going to work through this, but my mom would always be, what if I die? That's not, not trying to manipulate, but I'm saying if as a parent, you saw your children not doing what they were supposed to, wouldn't it be honest of you to go to them and say, that hurt me? Right, And so I want to let you know that one of the reasons why I've been so happy as a pastor, and I love my congregation, I love this church, I love serving you, I love, love, love it. I wouldn't trade you for anything. I don't think there's a better church out there. I'll just be honest with you. This is the best that it gets for me. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the best. Amen. You're the best that I get in life. Amen. This is it, man. I, I'm happy. I'm really, I'm, I'm glad I came today. But I just want to let you know that, that when I express those things to you, it's actually part of my healing as well. Because as a pastor, if we keep things in and we don't share them with you, then you wonder why there's things going on and you don't get it and you feel left out. But you see, in, the, in a church that's open and honest with you, you can understand like what we're doing and what we're about. And when, when a church serves each other like that, then we really grow—not only just numerically, but we grow emotionally. And I find myself more honest wherever I go now. You know, to the restaurant—and not trying to be rude—but is everything okay? No, I'm sorry, I didn't really like this. I, I will—I'll be that person now. Why? Because I've realized that honesty over time. I, I know there's a time to be polite and overlook things. The Bible says, "Overlook things, overlooking offenses to a man's glory." But I'm talking about have. Has anyone noticed this? That that the more honest you are. Oftentimes, the more free you are emotionally from holding in things that are hurting you. Because when you hold things in, it's like gas. Normally, it doesn't get better. It only gets worse when it comes out. Can I get an amen? Don't be ashamed to say amen to that. You understand. When you try to hold in gas, it comes out worse. It comes, just let it out. Say, excuse me, you know. And so... I just want to encourage everybody here to join the family of God. Join a good church. If this is not yours, find a good one and be a part of it and and talk to the people there and get to know what is exemplified in the church, what is looked at as a win, what is looked at as shameful, what is a way to in the community grow and have integrity so that men and women follow you and look up to you. Um, we're not a clique here, we're based on the word of God, and when the word of God is followed, people are honored, and that's why over the years, uh, people who come into leadership don't look like me, and they're not in my sphere of natural friends and influences. In other words, it's not a clique. Sometimes you go to churches, and you look at the, you know, the top five, ten leaders, and they all look like clones of the pastor, you know, like most of us do not share the same hobbies. We don't have the same uh, cultural upbringing. Even within our similar, like Latino or Anglo, like we're just different. You know what I'm saying? Like we just, we probably wouldn't have sat at the same lunch table. Many of us, right? We would have been sitting at different lunch tables. Like, like for example, did anybody here sit at the skateboard or lunch table? Okay, so maybe, yeah, you and I, my Anglo friend right here. But this other Anglo dude, w- were you at the sport table, the nerd table? I'm talking to you gentlemen with the beard. What table, If in general, I know it's hard as, you know to generalize, but what table would you have been at? The which one? Football, see? And you and I would have been at the skater table. So we're both Anglo, but we're sitting at different tables. And how many know there's a vast difference between football players and skaters most of the time? Right? Okay. So my point is when I'm as a pastor making leadership decisions, I'm not looking for the brother who's like me, who's going to have a hobby like me, who's going to have the same interests as me. Here's how you become great at Metro Praise International. And the Bible says we should become leaders. We should desire to to set our heart on leadership. It's by being faithful to God and faithful to others. And so when that begins to express itself, it begins to look unique to you and to your expression. That's why I love seeing the grandmas that we have here that are in leadership, as well as those who come from different lifestyles. Some here came from gangs. Some came from those who were afraid of gangs, okay? Uh, some, came, some came from drugs. Some came from those who sold them to the drugs, right? Uh, s- some here never touched drugs. Some, you know, they grew up uh, almost like Amish. They grew their own vegetables. They quilted their own clothes. Have kids, okay? They were not, they, there wasn't a TV in the house, okay? And so when we all get together, how is leadership being developed? Leadership is being developed on this. Amen? It's not whether or not you make me look good as we take a picture together so we can post on the website. That's that's a bonus. If we get to have fun and get to do that, that's a bonus. If we get to have similar senses of humor, and that's why I always want to be very sensitive to you as your pastor. If you don't always find me funny, though, I don't tell jokes. I just express myself in ways that I think is funny, right? Like, I think I'm funny, but not that funny. Like, I don't think I'm funny enough to be a comedian, but I have ways of expressing myself. But if that way to you it's not funny, that's okay. I'm not here to make you laugh. I'm really not. My first and foremost priority is to give you the Word of God. Amen? And, and to help you, and, and I say this, and I know God gives us Holy Ghost interruptions, so I'm, I'm going with this right now. A, a sister who had been a part of our church for a while, she got offended because of discipleship, and uh, now she says she's not attending her church since Roe v. Wade because they're cowardly, not saying anything about it, and she saw me out there by God's grace yesterday, and she's like, I need to come back, you know, and all of this, and that's wonderful. We love her for all of that, but But you have to understand this. What makes us great is not just that we're out there doing wonderful things. You know, like sometimes people see us in the public, like when we stood up for COVID or stood up against the mayor and kept open during COVID or various things like that. That's not what makes us a great church. What makes us a great church is that we're unified around the scriptures. And then as we live it out, because every local church is going to have an expression of how it's lived out, when we unify around that, that's when we become strong. So in other words, you could find a church that was open during COVID, but doesn't go street preaching. And that was uh, one of the questions, or not questions, but one of the little controversies that we had with Pastor Christian of the Romanian church is that when uh, we were standing together, praise God for the Romanians, my heroes love them, hands down one of my favorite churches in the city, and uh, we were spending time together, one of the things he said to us was, stop preaching in front of your church and waving your flags, you guys look nuts. That's what he said to me. And I'm like, well, we've already looked nuts doing that, why not do it now when the cameras are there? Right, like we've we've always preached in front of our church. How many have seen us preaching in front of the church? How many? That's what we do. How many know we wave our flags? We hold up our banners. We do all those different things. So now that Channel Six News is there, we're going. To, of course, we're going to do that. But in his mind, the Romanian Christian culture, as he taught me, and he was very kind about it. He was just telling me his impression, as he says, "It looks like you're fanatics. You know, we wear suits to church. We are very uh, reserved in our expression of." Our faith, you know, we're very European, in other words, you Americans, you're much more out, out there. And then all of a sudden, what did I see? One of those Polish guys screaming at the police officers and all that. So I'm like, it's not all Europeans, right? So uh, and he got arrested in Canada. So what I what I've learned and what I've always known is that people are gonna have different different ways of expressing themselves. But but now, watch, watch this, everybody. If I went to the Romanian church, would I dress casually on Sunday? preach in front of their church waving a flag? I wouldn't. Why? Because I would respect them. If that to them would be disrespectful, then why would I want to disrespect them? If God called me to the Romanian church, and my, my pastor says dressing up is important, then why wouldn't I dress up? See, that to me now is an issue of the heart. If God called that man to be my pastor, and now I'm supposed to dress up to show I honor him, lest he take it personal like I'm disrespecting him, like he's told me this is how I present my leaders to church. Why would I want to make him wonder if I'm disrespecting him? Does everybody get that? So I would say, how do we preach? And if he says, well, we preach like this, and I just saw them the other day, and God bless them because they're very similar to the Baptist. I saw a Baptist out in my neighborhood yesterday with a bus, In their skirts, the ladies were out there preparing for the bus route. And by God's grace, I think the Lord let me see this this morning. I saw the bus picking up people. Isn't that amazing? I said, isn't that amazing? So I think that's wonderful. If I was a part of the Baptist church, all of my children would be wearing skirts. My wife would be wearing... I'm talking about the fundamental Baptist church. I'm not talking about... Uh, I want to be careful here. I'm not the wild and crazy Baptist church where anything goes and pastor got three girlfriends. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fundamental kind. I'm talking about King James only. I'm talking about, you know, get out your bundage because their hair is so long. They got them in buns and they shake them out when they get excited. I'm talking about old school church. And you know what? When I saw them, you know what I said to myself? I would be honored to be with them as a man, because the men wear the ties. Do you see them every now and then around here? How many have ever seen the Hammond, Indiana folks? Okay, that's what I'm talking about, but they have one in my community. And I thought to myself, what an honor. I I wouldn't take it personal if I came to that church. They said, wear the skirts uh, for for my daughter and my wife and all that. And for me, wear a tie. Because when when you are called to a place, just like your job, when you are called to a church, you need to get in where you fit in. You need to make room for the Holy Spirit to use you there and not cause any confusion. So if I was at that church and and Pastor Christian said, man, I don't want you dressing casual when you preach the gospel. I want you out on the streets dressed to impress in a way that people understand. We're Christians. We don't dress like the world. And then I don't want you waving flags like you're crazy. I just want you to have the Bible because Jesus didn't have a flag or whatever. You know, whatever his reason for not having a flag is, okay? I would do it. Because it's not a heaven or hell issue. What it's an issue of is whether or not I believe that man of God is my pastor, and if I'm marching into battle with him. Amen? Now, if he comes on over here, don't start no stuff, won't be no stuff, Pastor. Because <laughs> we don't come in all, everybody wearing skirts and wearing ties and all of that. So, Pastor, if you want to come and you're watching, you want to join us, come as, as you are, we'll come as we are, we can work together. Amen? Amen? Amen. John chapter 7. I love this church. You guys can hear that and receive it. And then if you, if you don't understand, take it home and pray about it because God is moving through these extra moments. Somebody say extra. In Lanyap, in Cajun country where I used to live, Lanyap, something extra. Look at John chapter 7, verse 14. Somebody say judge correctly. Amen. Going through the Bible verse by verse through the book of John. Now let's read today from John chapter 7, verse 14, all the way to verse 24. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? This means he had not gone to the rabbinical school. He had not been to their cemeteries, I mean seminaries. Verse 16, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Somebody say nothing false about him. Thank you. Jesus is not a liar. Verse 19, has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Now look at how they respond. They respond, Jesus, we differ with your proposition, and we bid to have a disagreement with you honorably. Is that what they say back to Jesus? No. You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? You are. You keep trying to do it. Why are you lying now that I'm calling you out? I've had people, let me just pause here for a moment, like yesterday, preaching in front of the abortion clinic, dance twist their body while going cuckoo and then pointing to me thinking I'm the crazy one. They're doing that pointing to me going I'm the crazy one. I'm sitting here looking at them like when does the rational argument come? When does it come? And yet this is an older white woman. I call them the yoga pant cult. She said, I'm not wearing yoga pants. I go, yeah, but you think just like them. The yoga pant cult is mostly white, educated, affluent, and they are brainwashed. They think that killing children is a part of their human rights. They think that their body is the body on the inside of them. They think that they have four eyes, four arms, two hearts, and so forth. They're insane. They need your prayers and your help. Please give to stop the yogapantcult.com right now. And so, as I'm sharing with her, do you have an argument or do you have just emotion? She does the cuckoo dance. I'm thinking to myself, this is probably why I don't get along with a lot of people outside of church in the real world, because that's how they are on the inside. That's probably why, like, sometimes the administrator at the dentist office and I don't get along because maybe she's one step away from bat nut crazy. Are you guys tracking with me? And, and just as, this is maybe why some of you who are in the customer service industry, you have crazy customers. It's because they're one step away from Looney Tunes. Honestly, because if one, if one trigger can send a grown adult woman, To do the cuckoo dance and point at me and think that I am indeed the crazy one. She has left the boat of reality a long time ago. She's somewhere adrift in the ocean all by herself of insanity. She's left reality. But that's what they'll do out there, isn't it? And Jesus is dealing with the same kind of people. You're not alone. Oftentimes, people will get you to question yourself to whether or not you're doing it the right way. Jesus preaching the gospel the right way led to people saying he was demon-possessed. How far from reality do you have to be to see the Son of God in the flesh and call him demonized? Now, if they looked at Jesus and called him demonized, what do you think they're going to do when they look at you with your coffee breath? Come on. Come on with your chapped lips. Forgot to put on chapstick. Come on. What do you think they're going to say about you with taco breath and all that? Smelling like hot Cheetos out there. Man, I'm not even like Jesus and everything, though, I try my best. And you called my master, to, you called him demon-possessed? And I, I can only imagine what you're going to say to me. So in that way, I won't take it personal. Why will we not take that personal? Because they don't know us. They don't know anything about us. They didn't know anything about Jesus. And yet Jesus will take it personal because they should have. But Jesus told us to overlook their offenses. Because we are not their God and haven't been speaking directly to their heart. But sometimes you'll feel the pain that Jesus feels for them as he takes it personal. Anybody ever heard the term grieving of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you can make God sad? He's a person, isn't he? And can't persons get sad? He's not just a force like Star Wars, is he? Because you can't make electricity sad. You're not going to make electricity cry today. But Jesus wept at different times, didn't he? He wept for them. He was brokenhearted for them. He felt personally rejected by them. And oftentimes we'll feel that on behalf of Jesus. Paul said it like this, I am taking up the sufferings of Christ even in my life and in my body. And so don't take it personal against you. They don't mean it against you. They mean it against Jesus. And so we ought to then have the same mentality Jesus had, to forgive them, to love them, be patient with them, and even rebuke them when we need to, to help them see the truth. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Somebody say a Sabbath. A Sabbath is the sixth day of the week, excuse me, the seventh day of the week, and then the first day is Sunday, okay? So the last day of a Jewish week is the Sabbath. Today would be the first day of the week, and the reason why Christians worship on the first day of the week is because this is the day that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, which was part of their tradition, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? And that goes back to John chapter 5. He healed somebody on the Sabbath and he told him to take up his mat and walk. And the Jews were right to be angry because according to the law, you could not work on the Sabbath and it was penalized with death. So they were right about that. But where they missed it, as we talked about in that sermon, is that God allowed things on the Sabbath for just causes. In other words, if an animal was hurting or locked, uh, 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 fell into a ditch, you could do work to rescue that animal. If a child needed to be circumcised, because it was the eighth day after the birth that they always needed to be circumcised, and if it fell on the Sabbath, you could circumcise. And so what God is saying here, is that man wasn't made for these rules. These rules or the Sabbath was made for man. Does everybody get it? We talked about that before, and I don't have time to get all the way into the Sabbath discussion, but he's teaching them the important thing of this rule is that you rest and that you honor God. When this rule can be bent is when honoring God requires you not to rest. You have to honor God and rescue that animal. You have to honor God and work and circumcise. That's okay. Now, sometimes people think, well, because the Sabbath could be bent, some of these other rituals could be bent, that that may go against the message I preached last week that the details matter, in which one person, a non levite touched the ark and died instantly. His name was Uzzah. Or when, in the New Testament, when Ananias and Sapphira lied about their offering, they dropped dead. People sometimes see that as a contradiction. Well, well do the de- details matter or not? The details matter within the details. In other words, why does God seem lenient on the regulations he gave his people, never the moral laws? That's why we know the Sabbath is not equal to not lying because lying is always wrong. Killing someone that's innocent is always wrong. Can I hear an amen? Thou shalt not murder. Taking the name of the Lord in vain is always wrong, Okay. But why were regulations a part of the Jewish law, there's 613 laws, by the way, but why were there regulations like dietary law, dress codes, these kinds of things that people try to pick up and use against us when we say homosexuality is a sin, but now we can eat bacon and how many can say amen to having some bacon? What they don't understand is that the majority of these laws were there for a time and a place for the culture to be guarded from being like the pagans. Why did they have a certain diet? Because every culture has a certain diet. God wanted this culture to have a way of eating that looked different than that culture. It was as simple as that. It didn't mean that pork was bad. Sometimes people try to look back into it and go, well, pork was bad. No, go back to Noah when he was told he could eat all things and all things were good for him okay? So this wasn't a a way of God just being strict to to, to be strict. It was just teaching them food is a part of culture. I want your culture to be like this. Also a dress code. How many know every culture has a dress code? Okay, I want you to dress like this. That's why you told them don't mix the claws. Don't mix the different materials. Okay, it was for their culture. Well, one of the things that their culture did was honor the Sabbath as a day of rest. But did that mean they couldn't work if the circumstance demanded it? No, it didn't mean they couldn't work. It means they could if the circumstance was allowable. And now Jesus is showing them. Is it a time that a man can quote unquote work, pick up his mat and walk if I have healed him on the Sabbath. Is that an acceptable time for the man to work? Yes. Everybody say yes. Yes, it is. Trust me. Jesus was right, okay? If you're confused, I'll explain it again. A man picking up a mat and walking would have been considered work according to God's law. That God is not. Uh, Jesus is not saying my father was dumb for saying that, and I'm the rebellious kid, and I break all my father's rules, or that somehow uh, the Old Testament is God without coughing, and some human history goes by. He gets his coffee and turns nice into Jesus. See, people have these misunderstandings of the Old and New Covenant. No, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. Jesus is fully in agreement with the law, but a part of the law, as Jesus talks about right here, had exceptions. It had exceptions. You weren't supposed to eat the food in the temple, like which would be like our communion. You weren't supposed to do that, but one time David's men were starving in battle, and that was their only food, and God allowed them to eat it. You see what I'm saying? And so here he's saying again, hey, guys, you understand that the Sabbath is supposed to be kept holy. We all agree. In other words, we all agree with that. But if a child needs to be circumcised, a knife will come out and work will be done. That's considered work. And so they would understand, yeah, you're right, we're allowed to do that. And in other illustrations, he told them, and you're allowed to help an animal. You're allowed to help somebody if they're hurting, etc." And so here he's saying with them, don't you think I should be able to do the same thing for a man that is healed? Don't you think he should be able to take up his mat and walk home and God will be gracious to him? Because that gray area is not there to hurt the man, but to help the man, amen? Okay, now. Let's go to verse 24, my favorite verse in the Bible for today. (laughs) This is like, you got to have like your all-time favorite, like what is your lifetime favorite verse? And then there's like the verse that you're going through in the season, like your seasonal verse. How many know what I'm talking about? And then there's kind of like the verse of the month, you know, like this month. Because there's, there's months and seasons, right? you all tracking with me here, okay? But then you sometimes you just got a favorite verse that day, you know, like that one that God speaks you. Like today, man, this is, this is amazing. This is the verse right here. Would you guys read my favorite verse for the day right here on the count of three? One, two, three. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Oh, but Jesus, you said over here, thou shall not judge. Remember that scripture that everybody reads and then erases everything else after it? You see, Jesus is teaching them how to judge correctly. If you were here last week, Jesus wanted them to hate correctly. Remember, they were hating him and they were the wrong kind of haters. It's not that God's against hate. He's against us hating the wrong things. You should hate that which is evil and love that which is good. You should love heterosexual marriage and hate all kinds of perverted marriage. Those are not marriages, they're mirages. You should love human sexuality between a man and a woman and hate everything else that's perverse. You should love the truth of God and hate everything that's an heir. I love Muslims, hate Islam. I love Roman Catholics, hate Roman Catholicism. I love my children, but I hate their attitude. Amen? Amen. I love America, but I hate what she's doing right now. May God have mercy on our land. See, these are the ways that we have to read Jesus within context. So let's go there now to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and just summarizing this context. Jesus had been with his brothers. They basically told him to go to this festival so that he could show himself there. They were tempting him to really kind of, you know, expose himself and be self-centered. But Jesus didn't fall for it. He then went secretly to the festival of booze, um, Sakat as it's named. It's the time where they remembered living in tents in the wilderness. He came there secretly, and they still found him. And this debate engages between them. He brings up to them this key understanding that they are wrong in knowing him because they don't know God. He said to them like this in verse 18, just before I get into this, whoever, uh, or excuse me, in verse 17, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or I speak on my own. Remember we talked about in John chapter 6, you can stay there, my brother, Uh, I just want to give this to them real quick. Remember we learned in John chapter 6 the difference between Calvinism and non-Calvinism and the Calvinist believes that only the ones God draws are able to receive Jesus, but we explained that it's those who the Father has been teaching that those who have been listening freely get drawn. So in other words, the Father's teaching and, and giving the teaching to everyone, but it's only those who receive the Father's teaching can be brought to Jesus. Everybody remember that? Well, Jesus is saying clearly in verse 17, you guys, if you knew God, you would know me, okay? And so they don't know God, they don't know him. And now he's gonna teach them to judge correctly. Look at chapter seven, verse one of Matthew. Judge not, or you too will be judged. Close your Bible, that's where the story's over. Everybody, stop judging. (laughs) No, what does it go on to say? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it kind of tells me how to judge, not necessarily not to judge. The judging that I'm not doing is a judgment that I don't want against me. So now let's just make this a little bit more clear, and then we'll get into the context and see if what I'm saying is right, because I think Jesus uh, really backs up what, what he means here. Let's say you are an actual judge. How many know we need actual judges in the world? Like Judge Judy, right? Like we need actual judges, okay? We need those in the world. How many know we have a book in the Bible called Judges? Judge not lest you too be judged. Uh Uh-oh, we have a book in the Bible that we got to delete now, guys. Uh, Let's go back and delete the book of Judges. We're not supposed to be judging anybody here, and there was a lot of judgment going on. Get rid of Moses and the 70 elders because they were all judges and they were oompa-loompas, I guess. They didn't know what they were doing. So get rid of their stories. No, uh, what he is saying here is how to judge and how not to judge. The kind of judging we're not going to do is to act like we're Judge Judy when we're not Judge Judy, just to start with. So if you're not a judge on a case, do you get to, as a judge, just run up over to another judge's case and start making decisions? No but you're still a judge, but you don't get to judge however you want, right? Let's say you deal with traffic court. You can't run over there to the Johnny Depp, you know, uh, civil court with marriage and divorce and lawsuits. You can't just run over there and say, hey, scoot over. I'm going to sit on the judge seat today. So number one, even if you were a judge, you would have ways you could judge and ways you couldn't judge. Can I hear an Amen. The second thing is, even if you were a literal judge, I just want to make this really plain before we talk about how we are judges and how we're not judges, but I just want us to take this in the natural, because obviously God didn't mean we don't have any judges like people called judges on the planet, right? You would have to judge according to the law. Everybody say the law. How many know when a judge gets up there, they just can't make stuff up? And if they do, we need to get them out of there (laughs) because sometimes they try to do that crazy stuff and we need to expose them, right? Right. But a judge judges according to the what? The law. Everybody say the the law. The law. Okay. Now, just in what we read there in those two verses, I am going to make the case that we are supposed to be judges, but we're going to be judges over certain things, not over everything. And then number two, when we are judges, we're not going to judge by our opinions. We're going to judge by the what? The law. Everybody say the law. the law. Okay. Now let's just see if I'm interpreting this right because Jesus is quite clear in the context. Or we could have on the other side, you don't ever get to be a judge. You judge no one. Everything everybody tells you, you believe all the time. Okay? Okay including the homeless person that's catching a train to Kentucky to be with their long-lost family. You have to give them your money now. Okay. Has anybody ever heard the sad stories of those collecting money by the bridges and all of that? I mean it. I'm, I'm going to Kentucky to be with my friends and family here. But you have, you have drugs written all over you. I want to see you get free from these. Oh, I don't do drugs. You look like you do then. What's the problem, right? But don't you judge me, Right? That's not what they're going to say? Oh, you shouldn't judge. No, you need to judge. You need to make decisions based on your judgments. How many know you babys- uh, if you're going to have a babysitter, you make judgments? How many know today when you walk down the street, you make judgments in Chicago? Okay? The Bible doesn't teach you to be naive. The Bible doesn't teach you to believe everything that somebody says to you. And the Bible says that's even love. Jesus loves you, but he knows who you are, so don't pretend with him either. Amen? Okay, but I'm going to show you. Uh, Let's give this the opportunity now. On one side, just don't ever make a judgment. Believe everybody. They're not on drugs. They're just shaking a lot because they're cold and it's 90 degrees outside. Okay? Okay? So you're just going to be the most gullible person that ever walked the planet. Or you're going to realize you're a judge in some sense, but you're not a judge in another sense. And the way that you'll make judgments, is not by your opinion, but by the law of God. Let's see which one works out here. you all ready for verse 3? Let's go. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Stop trying to take planks out of people's eyes. Sit down and just believe everything and just say you're not perfect. Is that what it says? It says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. So you mean doctors are judges in some sense? Oh yeah, doctors make judgments all the time. How many are glad doctors are making judgments? What needs to be cut out? What needs to stay? How many know you're saying to them, I want it all to stay? But then they show you on an x-ray and they go, no, it all can't stay in there. This is not good for you. Cancer's got to come out. Tumors got to come out. Ruptured things got to get out. But I went to the doctor and wanted to hear good news. I wanted the lollipop. Sorry, Dr. Truth's in town. Now, Dr. Truth doesn't have to be Dr. Angry and go, you got cancer and you're going to die and I can't wait to be at your funeral. No, but you don't, want, you don't want Dr. Sugar either. Just everything's so sweet. Everything's okay. You don't have cancer. You just have a tummy ache. Have some ice cream. Go out to Six Flags. Enjoy the day. No, you want Dr. Truth. You want Dr. Truth to make a judgment based on the x-rays, the MRI, whatever is really happening on the inside of you to make a judgment call. I'm making a judgment. I'll review it by others, but I'm going to make a judgment. And harmony are glad when the doctor's making a judgment, he doesn't go to the traffic judge to ask him, him, ask him or her what they think because they're a judge in this way, but they're not a judge in that way. And the same thing, you don't get the doctor over there to make the traffic call. How many traffic laws does the doctor know to make judgments on? What are we supposed to be making judgments on? What are planks and what are specs? Sin. You're supposed to be making judgments on sin. And what kind of judge are you supposed to be? A non-hypocritical judge. A righteous judge. That's the kind of judge you are. Now, are you the final judge that sends people to heaven or hell? No, that's not your jurisdiction. But you are your brother's keeper. You are there to make judgments on what's in your life and what's in their life. Just don't do it hypocritically. Read it again. Take the plank out of your eye. So make judgments about yourself. Look at your spiritual walk with God. Is there sin that you're compromising on? Are there things that you're letting slide in your life and then you're getting all upset with others? For example, when we were drawing all the conservative crowd here because we were standing up with COVID, you know, are you the one pointing out all of the fascists out there but you got a plank of pornography in your eye? So you're saying to all the liberals that they're wrong about this thing but you're wrong about this spiritual thing. And let me tell you, there's no conservative hell or a liberal hell. It's the same hell for sinners. Amen? So it doesn't mean, well, you just leave everybody alone. No, no, no. He doesn't say, well, you're all sinners, so no one can help anybody. It's exactly the opposite. He doesn't say, well, just because you've got a plank in your eye, just leave it there because that's just your problem. Those are your demons you're wrestling. And so don't try to help anybody else. No, he says, if you've got a plank in your eye, get that out get that out, now that your plank is out, now that pornography is out of your life, you can help your brother to get pornography out of his life. Now that you have cursing and vulgarity out of your life, now you can look for the speck of that in your brother's life. You're not supposed to leave the speck in your brother's eye and you keep the plank in your eye and then just say, well, nobody's supposed to make any judgments, I haven't even tapped on John yet, but I'm explaining to you Matthew 7. Those of you who know John, it fits imperfectly, but we'll get there in just a moment. Let's keep reading to see who is right in the context. Verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So much for this side about believing everything and not saying anything that could be taken the wrong way. Jesus says you need to know what a dog is. woo Snoop Doggy, dog. That was an old song back in my day. Well, he's a dog. I shouldn't give him what is sacred. Do you act like a dog? I shouldn't give you what is sacred. Sounds like I got to make judgments today. Who's a dog? That's my dog. Be careful who you calling a dog. You listening? Because the Bible says in this sense, dogs are not good. Dogs are those that don't have self-discipline. Dogs will get into, you know, all kinds of wicked, perverted things because they don't know any better. I figured that out the first time. I didn't grow up really around dogs. I had a few, and sadly, both of them got hit by cars and died. Oh, I know. Sad story. I'll tell that to you another day, make you cry a little tear. Um, but I went over to my uncle's house, and I met a dog that was in heat. Let's just say it nicely in church. I never experienced that before. It was quite an awkward experience what that dog was doing to me continually. I saw parts of it. I'm trying to be PG here. I saw parts of that dog that I have never seen before. I didn't didn't know that's how it was. Let's just say it that way. Now, you got an image in your mind of what a dog is? Don't give what is sacred to dogs. Sounds like you got to make judgments about people who are disgusting in your life, perverted, and who do not want the truth. Dogs eat their own puke. Dogs sniff each other's behinds, right? Dogs lick everything. You need to be a judge to know when you're in a conversation with somebody that just wants to get busy on your leg and sniff your behind and eat their puke, and you need to know when it's time to move on. You don't have to give everything you got in wisdom and knowledge to everybody you know in life. The Bible's very clear that you have to decide when is it time to bring out that which is sacred. The other day, uh, yesterday, uh, Tina felt led to bring out her child in front of the abortion clinic. And a man, if I can just do this, a man got within this close to her, screaming and flicked her off with the baby in, it, in her arms. That's a dog. We don't need to talk to that man anymore. We don't need to have a conversation with him. If you can see a woman with a child pleading for the lives of the unborn and your response is anger and getting within inches of a woman holding a child. You're a dog and we don't need to continue the conversation. I'm not giving you what is sacred now. Move on, please. We're done talking, right? And do not throw your pearls to pigs. (laughs) It gets even worse. You ever seen a pig before? My grandfather used to raise them Now, pigs have their reasons for being dirty, and they're actually a clean animal, and I don't get paid by the sponsorship of pigs, the other white meat, pork, but they're actually clean when it comes down to how they are internally in their body, and they're not a disgusting animal in all of that way. I know sometimes people try to do that because of the dietary law, but they're actually not. They can carry diseases, just like other animals you know, can carry diseases, but the reason why they lay in mud is because they're hot, and they want to cool off. And so where they feel the most comfortable in times of heat is in the mud. Do you know anybody in your life that when things get a little bit heated, instead of trying to resolve the problem and stay clean, they want to now bring it to the mud because that's where they feel the most comfortable. They now want to make the situation dirty because they can't take the heat and never wrestle with a pig because you'll get dirty just like them and they'll like it. Because that's what a pig wants. Uh, I think we've already destroyed the idea that we're not making judgments, right? I think we've already destroyed that. Because Jesus, in the same context, told us how to make judgments of getting out planks and specks. He is now telling us to make judgments about dogs and pigs. And he says, if you do, if you give these sacred things to dogs, if you throw your pearls to pigs, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. That's my Jesus. Somebody say, that's my Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now going back to John chapter 7, what possibly could Jesus mean by this then? Verse 24, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. What he could be saying is, Joe, don't think every person with tattoos on the streets asking for money is on drugs because there may be someone out there that's not on drugs, So be careful, Joe, when you're talking to the homeless and you're having to discern whether or not they're a drug addict or just someone who slept under the bridge and is dirty. Hello? I'll put it right back to me. Joe, make sure that when you're judging according to being a pastor that you're not looking just at their appearances, but you're looking at their lives. Because some of you here could be falling asleep, and it could be because you're facing trouble in your life, and financially it's hard for you, and you've had to work six 20 hour shifts this week. And I have to be careful about judging you falling asleep. You may not be doing that out of disrespect. You coming to church might have been the greatest sacrifice of anyone here. Just showing up this morning because you've been working 20 hours, they called you in to do something. So we cannot just judge by the appearance. We have to dig deep into people's lives, like I'm talking about the homeless person. When I see the tracks in their arms, when I see the meth shake, the fentanyl bend, when I see that their teeth are missing, now I'm going to start making the observation and a judgment. It looks like you need help. And if they want to tell me lies, if they want to act like dogs and pigs, I'm not going to keep wasting my time. That's why when we went to the west side, can you please put up some of those pictures from last weekend, if somebody told me that they weren't on drugs and it was obvious they were on drugs, then I would just say, well, what else can I pray about? Because I'm not going to try to convince them of something they're lying about. But when someone would say, yeah, I'm on drugs. That's why I'm out here today. In other words, when you would see a white woman that weighs about 90 pounds and she has tracks in her arms and she tries to tell me she's not out there for drugs, (laughs) I don't have any more things to say other than, what can I pray with you about? But thankfully, the woman that I'm speaking of, the the, the emaciated Anglo, said she was on drugs. She didn't want to hide it. I said, we're not police. Can I pray for you where you really live? I want to know where your heart's at. And so often, we're told in Christianity to believe everybody. Go ahead and get us uh, the food line. If you go up just a little bit there, go to that food line right there. Thank you. That one right there. Perfect. Obviously, everybody here is not on drugs, but there was a lot of drug addicts here, and we were praying for them. They have to be willing to admit it. Can I hear an amen? Some of you have intuitions about people. You need to follow them. Some of you have intuitions about who should be around your children and who should not. You should follow that. Some of you are feeling as a Christian you cannot judge correctly. Because you feel like you just have to give everybody second and third chances. You do not have to do that. Guard your family. Protect your home. Protect your job. Protect your way of living in your neighborhood. You don't have to trust everybody in your neighborhood. You know, I remember the first time Jared came to church. Jared looked like one of the Columbine shooters. He's one of our pastors now in Dallas, by the way. But he looked like one of you want to give him a clap. Let's give it up for Jared that he's not a Columbine shooter. But he fit every bit of of that external appearance. He was white. He looked crazy. He was pacing in my church wearing a trench coat. Seriously, he was wearing a trench coat, and I think it was like 80 degrees outside. And he was wearing a trench coat. And I'm like thinking to myself, this dude is not catching me off guard. If he pulls out a gun, he's going down. I'm serious. But I didn't make that my judgment and slam down the gavel. I just was aware of what was going on. My final judgment was he probably doesn't know much about church. He's feeling uncomfortable sitting for as long as we do here. He may have ADHD and so forth. And so I sided with that instead of, you know, telling them to stick it up and, you know, and all of those things, stick up in their hands and all that and get, get weird. But you do have to make judgments. Women, you need to make judgments about the way men speak to you and approach you. Even in this church, if a man comes to you, woman, a sister here says, Sister, uh, Melanie, come here. Full frontal hug. Come on up here, John. Let's show what not to do with ladies in the church. God bless you, Sister Melanie. I miss you. Oh, God bless you, Melanie. Thank you sing so good on Sundays. Hey, you better be careful about Christian men doing that stuff. You know? You've got to make judgments. You've got to judge correctly. But I would say that many of us think that judging altogether is wrong, and then therefore we're taken advantage of, And we're we're spending time with people that we should be walking away from. And we think that we're better than Jesus. And you're not better than Jesus. Let's just get these in closing, please, as Daryl comes, Proverbs 27:5. You are to make good judgments in life. Be careful about the appearances, but make sure you're also including appearances. Because people who come bulked up to the mall on summer days may be up to no good. They may be a shooter, they may be coming to do damage. People who are scoping your property may be coming out there to do some things to cause harm. Now, for all of the Karens out there that say, Yes, yes, I knew that I could call the police on this person. It better be more than just driving in the neighborhood black or walking down your community African American or Latina. You understand? You better not be doing stupid stuff like that. I'm talking about all cultures need to be ready. I'm not talking, man, man, when when I, let me just say this, as a white man, can I talk from the place of of a white man, from my place of privilege, when I am in the hood, I know the difference between the man who is there with his family, and he's there a part of the solution, and the one who is not. Black men do not intimidate me. They do not make me afraid. A certain kind of black man does. Are you listening to me? A certain kind of man that's got some stuff in his pants that wants to make the block hot, I get nervous with them. When we were at McDonald's preaching, I get nervous with those kids out there because I know at any moment it can go down. Same thing, listen to me. Skinny white skateboarding looking kids, don't make me nervous. You come wearing a trench coat, like I said in July, to the mall in Indiana, you make me real nervous why because it's not a color thing it's a discerning of and motive thing you listen let me just get a little bit more into this you come up to try to kiss me ladies most of the time I'm okay because I know what you're doing according to your culture if you force me after you see it's awkward for me now I'm going to start avoiding you do you understand like, it's your culture, I get that. Buenos dias, pastor. Some, I'm telling you, some of you did not know me at first and you're a part of the church and you, and you wanted to roll like that. I let you, I let you, but you could tell that I was uncomfortable. If every time I see you, you're trying to kiss me and you, you don't get it, I'm going to have the sisters talk to you. Look at your pastor, he's a white boy, stop trying to kiss him. He's uncomfortable. He don't even know how to do it. I'm serious. Sometimes the acuelas come and they want to kiss me, and I'm like, I'm the awkward one. Are you going this way or am I going that way? Now, is it more of a sound of a kiss, and I just do it, or do I actually have to do it? Now, when I do it, do I do it with the side or I do it full, full lips on your cheek? That's something that I've always wanted to know, my gente, you got to help me out. So I'm like, do I just do the noise? Now we good, but you keep doing it. I'm gonna think something's wrong with you. I am. I'm gonna be like, what's wrong with you? And and you might think, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't Pastor kiss me? Then you can ask somebody. This is why, because he doesn't do that. All right, I'm all about side hugs, fist bumps, and those things. You got to make judgments. I'm just being honest with you. If you don't do it, you're gonna you're gonna be taken advantage of. The Bible says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. I would rather sometimes people take us the wrong way than for us to just be taken advantage of all the time. You know, maybe somebody comes by in yoga pants and I'm like, are you in the yoga pant cult? And they're like, I'm a Christian, I agree with you guys. Then maybe I gotta back off a little bit. See, now I'm making judgments by the mere appearance because obviously yoga pants doesn't mean you're in the yoga pant cult. Because you don't want to be judged like, are you one of these Christians? And maybe they met a these Christians that said, everybody's going to hell. The, the, you know, even, women got to stay home, you know, and all of these crazy things. And so you don't want them judging you by that because you had your Christian shirt on. Right? Let's go to the next, uh, back to the notes quickly, please. Psalms chapter 119, verse 66. How do we do it? We do it led of the Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands teach me good judgment teach me how to make good judgments i want to make sure that i'm making good judgments as a pastor as a father as a person in my culture i want to make sure that especially if you have dealt with racism that you get that out of your heart and it's not just with white people too i've had latinos confess to me when i was in high school all we did was fight black kids i don't always feel comfortable with them you got to get it out of your heart same thing with black people if you've always been in fights with latinos are you always messing with the Vietnamese? That's what it was like in New Orleans, man. They hated those Vietnamese, man. Always messing with them, I'm telling you. Anybody ever been in the hood and seen the Vietnamese? Or what is it, no Vietnamese around here? Man, the Vietnamese had it going on in New Orleans, man. They cooked the best seafood and all of that. And I'm telling you, there was always something going on. with. The, they had the nail shops. They had the, the laundry mat. Y'all don't know no Vietnamese around here. I guess Chicago's different. You got to get over it. if you're racist towards black people, black people towards Vietnamese or whoever else it is. You have to get over racism. Don't let racism a race uh, have you make a judgment cuz it'll be a bad judgment. Make sure that you know the good judgment. In last scripture here please. Going back to our notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 12. We got to make judgments in the church. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church are you not to judge those inside? We got to make judgments in the church. Guys, if you ever feel you're being misjudged by our leaders, please let us know. But I wish I could preach a whole nother sermon because sometimes people, listen, I, I'm going to get probably more personal than I should and I'm okay with it. But sometimes people get offended when they don't graduate our discipleship programs because we're making judgments about them. And listen to me. If we're wrong, I want to be made right. But some people in our church, they don't dress right, body parts hanging all out, don't know how to act around the opposite sex, and then they want us to make them a deacon in the church. We're not making you a deacon in the church looking all like that. We got a reputation to uphold among the unbelievers. They already think we're crazy. The last thing we need is a a deacon acting which way, and then you think we approve of it and then people's houses and their homes not in order and their life's not in order and then they get personally offended when we talk about their issues. My friends, if we're making wrong judgments as a church, please help us. But how many know you shouldn't be ashamed to bring people over to your house? If you're a leader in this church, you should bring people over to your house and have no problem with it. Well, pastor, my house is not clean. I got a dog that pees on everything. Well, teach the dog not to pee on everything then. Wait, I don't, listen to me, I don't want leaders that don't want people in their home, amen? I don't want leaders that their boss comes to us and says things about them. This church is not playing make-believe. We'll make those judgments here because we stand by the word of God. Well, who are you to judge? I'm the pastor, we are leaders. You see, let me just say this as Second Service is catching this as well. People get upset with us when we make judgments But then they go to a job that's all full of judgments. How many of you got to fill out reports a certain way? That was a judgment. How many of you have to be on time? That's a judgment. Somebody told you you had to be on time. How many of you got to do these things to get a paycheck? And yet people want to come to church and not do that for the Lord, and then they get upset. Think about that. Wouldn't we benefit if we let anything go in this church? In one sense, like in the immediate, wouldn't our crowds grow bigger? So we're actually willing to take our time and grow you as a leader. Anyone here that we've ever talked about your dress code with, we're always willing to take you shopping. Anybody here that we've ever talked about your house being dirty, we're willing to clean it and help you train that dog. Anybody here that we've ever talked about you not knowing how to even speak right because you mumble and your words aren't right and you make people feel uncomfortable, we're willing to help you get therapy. Can I hear an amen? Speech therapy. Anybody here that's ever been told you you make women feel uncomfortable because it's mostly the, the men making women feel uncomfortable, we're willing to help you. Amen? There are a few women every now and then that make men feel uncomfortable. Some women want to jump and dance in front of everybody out here, and we're not going to do that. Women, you can dance when you get the Holy Ghost, but if four or five men start watching you dance, hello, and we can see them watching you dance, every week, we're going to say something about that. And then why would you feel uncomfortable if we said just dance back there so the men don't have to watch you? Amen? It's how the Holy Ghost don't move back there. Holy Ghost got you dancing. Woo! Woo! got a woman dancing like this. Woo! It's the Holy Ghost! Woo! But the Holy Ghost can't do that back there. Why not? Why, do you, why does the Holy Ghost dance like this? Am I emphasizing it enough? Everybody get my point? And then they call us legalistic. No, we, we're not legalistic. We're a church that's in order. Men sitting in church, their belly hanging out. Why don't you make me a deacon? You don't know how to put on your shirt. You make people feel uncomfortable. Amen? I mean, it's okay. We already told you, you could wear a t-shirt, but put it over your belly. This church is about the real deal. I'm, I'm tired of it as a pastor. And if you hear that going on, just ask them, what did you do? Because I bet you they judge you correctly. Well, I, and they're going to always make themselves look so much better. Well, I just want to be free in the spirit. Ask them to dance that freedom in the spirit in front of you. Well, show me now how free you want it to be. Amen. Can you all stand up, give it up for Jesus? I'm going to make some right judgments in here. I wish I could get second service in and preach it all over again. Get free up here. Second service, thank you for your patience. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? We're going to make right judgments. Amen. I thank God that I got brothers around me making right judgments. Man, if you ever see anything in me, brother, please come to me. Make a right judgment. I trust you. I trust these men in my life. I trust you. I want you to find people in this church you trust. Have them take a look at you. Have them take a look at your life. Get people around you that you can grow with. Amen? Get sisters around you you can grow with. Let's make godly judgments. We're going to close in prayer and welcome in our second service. But don't be in a hurry, okay? Feel as free to stay as long as you like. Father, we thank you for this service. We pray if anyone here does not know you, they will repent of their sins and be born again. We pray against any kind of false judgments, racism, uh, judgments about people's wealth or their money. Lord, we pray for all of that to be tossed aside and for true Christians to make godly judgments here in life. To know what dogs and pigs are like, to know what it's to be like on their job as a leader. And to do things in integrity, Father. And I pray for this church and for this service to show up this week, God. And to go hard for you this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. As we show this city how much we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you.